misadventures in small business, share stories that will involve someone doing something stupid or embarrassing. As usual, I will not use company or individual names of anyone involved, whether good, bad, or ugly. Misadventures in small business number eight, pothead patrol driver. During my time as branch manager, I increased several segments of the business. One area that grew like a weed during my four years there was our patrol business. Basically, some businesses wanted security, but didn't have the budget or the need for a standing guard for an entire overnight shift. With mobile patrol service, these businesses could have someone come by to check the property anywhere from one to maybe four times per night. Generally, if they wanted hourly patrols, they really should have been looking at an on-site guard. Every property was a little different. Some required actual door pulls on all exterior doors. Some required entering a fenced yard. Some required at least the first patrol of the night to be at a specific time for lockup of a pool, etc. Some viewed mobile patrol service as a way to generate some offset income since there was a requirement to have field supervisors doing post checks on guards anyway. Instead of just a by-the-way service to defray some of the cost of running soups all over town, I believed it could be a profitable segment all by itself. By the time I left the company, we had one soup with two to three patrol drivers running each night. If any one of them got bogged down with alarm responses or opening emergency ASAP electrical cable watches, a neighboring driver could head to their sector to hit some of their patrols. Part of the trick was scheduling all of them with just a bit of flex time. If you have someone scheduled for 10 hours of work with a route that takes exactly 10 hours to do, you'll have a hard time when the first alarm response takes an unplanned 45 minutes away from you. Usually I would tally all time for a particular route and leave a margin of safety of 30 to 60 minutes. So basically a seven or seven and a half hour route was good for an eight hour shift. As we grew and split off more routes, it was possible to have shorter spreads for each individual route because the aggregate of three or four routes still gave us a nice safety margin, even if each was only 30 minutes. There were a few times that I jumped out in the middle of the night as an overflow or catch-up driver for an hour or two, especially in the earlier years before coverage got heavier. Anyway, we had one property that belonged to a national freight company at 27th Avenue and I-10. Two other national trucking companies had merged and combined operations into a single location elsewhere, leaving a location near 51st Ave and Lower Buckeye open. The branch manager of the freight company that was our customer moved their operation to the vacant yard as it had a much larger dock and warehouse area, although a slightly smaller yard. I'm not sure if they bought or leased the better terminal, but they owned the 27th Ave location. It took them the better part of two years to sell it, so it was steady nightly checks for a while. One of our patrol drivers for several months was a recently discharged Army veteran. As random drug tests are a staple in all branches of the military, if someone serves for four years and obtains an honorable discharge, either they had no drug habits or were extremely lucky. It's crucial for employers to look at page four, member copy four, 
of an employee's DD-214 as the first page omits all the good stuff like character of service, separation codes, and re-entry codes. Thankfully, we have the interweb today, so employers don't have to be veterans themselves to decipher all of that. About a year into our account for the vacant trucking terminal, I got an angry call from the branch manager. He was wondering why one of his guys driving to work that morning noticed the smashed-in glass front door of the vacant terminal before I called him with that info in the middle of the night. Great question, as I was wondering the exact same thing. The profile picture for this podcast is that exact door, by the way. I immediately replied that I would do some digging and get back with them. My first hope was that someone broke in after our final patrol around 4 or 5 a.m., When I reviewed the previous night's patrol report, I didn't get a good feel for what was seen or done, which defeats the purpose of a report. I called the patrol driver next, which I wouldn't do unless important. Calling overnight people only two or three hours into their sleep is not something you do just for fun, unless you're a rude, inconsiderate prick. He claimed not to have seen anything abnormal, but wasn't totally awake either. I next drove to the site to see for myself. There was more than an hour or two's worth of damage to the building interior. It looked like someone had free reign in the building all night. Eventually, I had to face the trucking branch manager in person. Not only was he disappointed that we hadn't noticed the smashed-in front door, but he pulled logs of when we disarmed the electrified gate for yard patrols. The logs were a lot lighter than our patrol stops. He hadn't gone through every single day for the past year, but highlighted several that he spot-checked. The conversation drifted to us paying back some of the money for months and months of unsuccessfully completed patrols. I was handed the logs and asked to research the amount of restitution owed. I headed back to the office and let one of the three owners know what had happened and the ripple effect to our overall credibility. I also let him know that the customer was looking for a rebate for all chump patrols. He wasn't happy to give up money already earned but understood that charging for services not actually rendered was not good business. I spent hours comparing our patrol logs to the fence logs. I found out that one more senior patrol driver hadn't had a single gate opening in months, in addition to Slappy from last night also never entering the yard. When I read the reports from the senior driver, I realized that he never lied about patrolling the yard, he just didn't reference it. Apparently, when he got shocked once by the electric fence, he stayed clear of it forever. The electric fence was not intended to shock people touching it, but to merely sound an alarm that contact had been made. It was low voltage, but occasionally had a glitch where it kicked off too much. The branch manager was pretty good at getting it serviced any time it had safety or operational issues. I do remember putting out the word when the fence was repaired after the big shock that it was safe again. Apparently, one guy either didn't listen or didn't care and then trained someone else on how not to patrol this property the right way. That afternoon, one of the other patrol drivers that I was talking to about how critical it was to enter the yard and what happened with the front door told me something interesting. Last night's driver told him that he was smoking pot for some imaginary medical condition, but never during working hours. I call it imaginary because unless he would be dead in months from cancer or something else terminal, he was just a pothead using a stub toe or hangnail as justification for medical use. So now I have an improperly trained stoner 
that even on his condensed patrol missed a smashed-in door that now put us under the microscope for everything else. Obviously, I bounced Bong Boy out of there. I next reiterated with all soups and patrol drivers what the scope of work at the site was and even linked up with several of the newer ones on site to reshow them properly what we were doing there. I spent bits of two or three days compiling a spreadsheet detailing complete patrols versus incomplete patrols. By the time I was done, we owed the customer back $1,600 for a $350 to $400 a month account. I was hopeful we would have just had a few slip-ups that we could credit off the next invoice. The magnitude of shortcuts and screw-ups was staggering. I pitched the plan of just carrying a credit balance towards future invoices to the customer. Obviously, he said no. He wanted to see us come clean on the past billings by cutting a check as a sign of good faith. In a lot of ways, I think how we responded would determine whether we retained this customer. I was able to get one of the owners to cut the check, which I hand-delivered. Fortunately, the customer took several more months to sell the property, so we got to earn back everything in addition to several extra billable trips to open up the building for brokers and prospective buyers. I met the proud new owner of the property when he was looking at it. He was a first-generation Chinese-American that had started a cardboard recycling business in California and was adding Phoenix as an expansion. Our first meeting was kind of funny. I opened up the building for the new owner, his realtor, and some of his associates. I ran back out to my car to grab a flashlight as there were some rooms with no working lights. As I was about to walk back inside, I looked down to my right and spotted a bum sleeping behind the bougainvillea bush. I momentarily forgot how loud I get when disinviting junkies from properties. There might have been some profanities and possibly some threats about the future structural integrity of his cranium. Even after the bum started moving on, I didn't like his lack of speed and just kept verbally abusing him until he was on the sidewalk. When I walked back inside, the men were smiling instead of cringing, but it could have gone the other way. I never really handled any bums with an audience before or after that, well, except that one other time when I ran five drunk bums off the far side of a credit union during business hours near 7th Street and Indian School Road. I was at least 50 yards from the bank, which was a brick building with very limited windows. When I walked inside to tell the manager that the problem was solved, I got at least 10 crazy looks from people. I think my outdoor voice must carry better than most. We didn't do steady patrols for the new owner after he took the property, but did some infrequent trips to open the gate for the billboard company that serviced the tall billboard on the south edge of the property that was eye level with westbound I-10 traffic in, until the new owners were in town with their operation up and running. I never had another stoner driving one of our cars, but in a future episode, I'll talk about our drunk patrol driver racing the police on I-17. Until the next misadventure, remember... Be careful who you trust to do their job correctly.